Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. So here we are in the bottom of the ninth inning. Two outs and running first base. Mark Knutson, the tall right-hander, trying to nail this one down. He has thrown a gem to this point. Eight and two-thirds innings, giving up just three hits and looking for his fourth complete game for the speed and perhaps to secure his 15th victory. He's got a 3-1 to one lead here in the bottom of the ninth, but at the plate is the guy who has two of those hits, Manny Randawa. A single to center and a double to right so far. Knutson into his windup. Here's the pitch, and he throws a fastball right by Randawa for strike one. Randawa a bit tardy on that swing. Now we're ready for the next pitch. The windup, and here it comes. There's a swing and a long one. Into the gap in right center field, way back towards the wall. It's off the wall. Bichette can't get there. He's chasing it down, and out of nowhere comes Ellis Burke. He'll get to the ball first. The run's going to score. Randawa is around second. He's digging for three. Here comes the throw from Burks. It's going to be close. Here's the slide. It's it's the park-adjusted Rockies podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mark Knudsen and Manny Randawa. No one is expecting the Colorado Rockies to be players in this year's free agent market. Given their recent history, that's not such a bad thing. The revamped Rockies front office appears to be putting all their eggs in the player development basket. That is, after all, the foundation of every successful team. But the Rockies haven't been very good at that the past half dozen years either. At least not Dodgers good. So what are the issues that keep Rockies prospects from becoming big league stars? On this week's episode of the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast, Manny and I talk with former Rockies pitcher turned pitching development guru Jason Hirsch to get some answers to those nagging questions. Lots of great knowledge to be gathered. Stay with us. We're back with the opening pitch right after this. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than DenverAutographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall, Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at DenverAutographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at USAPrimeColorado at gmail.com for more information. Many player development has never been the Rockies. It's supposed to have been the Rockies' strong suit. It hasn't been. It hasn't been something they've done very well. One rookie of the year in their entire existence. But they're throwing all their eggs in that basket. They're saying, we're, you know, we're not going to sign any free agents. I haven't even heard their names mentioned in the free agent market. Who was that, by the way? You said who was, who was the Jason Jennings. Year? Jason Jennings. Jennings. I, yeah, I was so. gonna. I wanted to say that, but I also didn't want to say that. But I mean, anyway. it's it's it, obviously it's it not is pretty their, good. It's not their. Suit. I was traded for. Were you? There you go. That voice you hear is none other than Jason Hurst, the former Rocky pitcher, now the pitching guru, of, especially of young pitchers, as I like to describe it. Um, pitching guru. Guru, you're a guru. You are. I don't send my 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 pitchers just to anybody, right? I send them to the guru. All right. Uh, I've, I've got you tricked very well then. Yes, you do. Well, we're, that's the name of the game. It's working. So it's anyway, it. <laughs> at least it's working for my high school team. I'm not sure it's working for the Rockies, what they're doing, Jason. Um, uh, we go into another offseason with, and I, I said this at the open, I think it's a good thing they're not going to go into the free agent market because they stink at it. Um, so but they're it's almost like they stink at everything. Well, they're going to go. Free that but they're they're no, going to go. I mean, that's what, that's gonna, what this is. They're going to go full this on. This is like a no holds barred type podcast. I like this. <laughs> well, you tell you're that's why we brought you on board because I know you're gonna, you're going to give us a straight scoop here. Um, you're going to probably run into some rocky farmhands during the off season as you normally do. 
Um, you've told me in the past that they don't get consistent messaging from yep. one level to the next. Bill Schmidt's now the farm director, is now the GM. Do you expect any of this to change? Is there any reason for people to think that the Rockies player development is going to get markedly better? Yes, there is. Um, I had a great conversation with a member of the Rockies organization a couple of weeks ago, and he was very optimistic about the potential future of the minor league system, which is where he has his biggest influence. And I don't want to use his name or, or anything like that and get him in trouble, but come on, nobody's um, listening. Just go ahead and tell us. No, it's all right. Okay. Um, we'll just, we'll just call him a, a employee of the Rockies. All right. Uh, <laughs> but he basically said that, you know, obviously with the change of the guard at the top, you know, cause I, I brought forth all my same complaints that I always have, right. The, the Rockies are terrible at developing players at wrong messaging. You know, nobody knows what the hell they're doing and they suck at developing pitching. And, you know, obviously they're pretty good at doing other things, but um, he said the, the, the biggest addition by subtraction was getting rid of John Weil because mm. his messaging at the minor league level was basically it's my way or nobody's way. And if you don't want to teach what I teach, then you will um, you'll not be employed by the Rockies anymore. And so I think that a lot of coaches had from my understanding, again, this is all third party. But my understanding was that coaches were almost afraid to kind of go off script where I think coaches need to be able to go off script because players are going to be very unique um, and, and have unique challenges that are, you know, individual to themselves and not some cookie cutter approach that might be. Um, considered uh, a facility-wide uh, or a uh, an organization-wide philosophy, like you're all going to throw sinkers. Well, right. you know, we, we know that doesn't work, right. um, not for everybody. And that's where, you know, some confirmation um, from guys that I've spoken to in the past that are, you know, high spin, high velo guys. And they're like, well, you're going to be a sinker ball pitcher. I'm like, well, it's probably not the best choice for you being a high spin, high velo guy. You should probably be working up in the zone and, and, and taking advantage of your high spin. So I think there is some, and I, I'm going to be measured in my optimism. Um, I want to, I want to see them prove it first. Um, but based off my conversation with this individual, he was very upbeat about it. And, I'm, I, I think I've, I've learned in the past not to be super upbeat about things, especially yeah. when it comes to the Rockies and player development, but um, I will give them the benefit of the doubt with the new, new personnel in there. If he's excited, then I'm going to have some mired excitement, but uh, I'm not going to jump full boat and say that this organization is going to do something spectacular. You know, it's kind of, it's like, you know, there's this tension between like, on the one hand, Bill Schmidt in a vacuum, you know, may not be a very bad choice for a GM, but at the same time, it's not a vacuum. He's, you know, everybody's looking at this as like, well, you're still staying within the organization. You're not, go, you're not looking outside the box here. Um, yep. Is it going to be more of the same because it's Schmidt and he's been around the whole time? Um, and so what, it's hard to get a feel for this. What do you think about as far as um, are we, you know, one of the player developments, one side of it, you know, activity in the free agent markets, another side of it. What are we, what are we thinking about this? Is this going to be more of the same or is it going to be more leaning toward it? There's actually going to be some steps in the right direction. Yeah. I, I think it is a tough kind of conundrum you're in there, right? Cause it is what 
I think a lot of people wanted, which is they wanted, you know, somebody else. They didn't want Jeff anymore. Fresh ideas. Right. right. Well, the the bad optics of it was that you you brought in an internal solution mm -hmm. to what everybody wants is an external influence. Right. And so that's where you've got to, you know, you've got to kind of hold your breath and say, well, is this just going to be more of the same? Are you going to be, you know, uh, Jeff Breitich 2.0 or, or Dan O'Dowd 3.0? Right. Or are you going to be Bill Schmidt, you know, the guy who's going to be the, you know, the difference maker for the Rockies? Um, I, I don't know much about Schmitty. I've, I've met him a bunch of times. He's always been a nice guy around me. You know, I, I know you guys have had your interactions with him over the years, mm -hmm. and I've heard stories that, you know, he's maybe not the nicest guy um, to other people. Um, I, you know, his I think track with Bill, record with yeah, I think with Bill, it's like you know, he's a nice, he seems to be a nice guy. It's just he does, you know, he's he's a master of of speaking and not saying anything. <laughs> sure, <laughs> and, and it's you know, it's like it's like back you know when Reagan was president, you know, he talked for half an hour. It's like everybody feels good, and it's like. What, he didn't say anything yeah you know? it's like all the no. reporters are feeling good because there's all this content but right, i right. think i think um that's the thing with bill is that you know um like at well, the at the gm meetings it was like i was i, I was listening to recording with his session with reporters and yeah. it was like he said nothing you know? yeah, his, well his well, first, uh, his first press, was quite impressive actually his first press conference was awful it was awful well, I mean, the thing, you know the messaging i think i think it was that press conference where he basically said we're not the yankees and we're not the we're dodgers gonna, yeah we're, no, we're, no. yeah we're not the dodgers we're just gonna you know, it's basically Clearly. yeah you know, the, i think the message in there was it's going to be status quo for the rockies right. which is the wrong messaging right um and if that was his intended message then god help us but if right. it was you know not the intended messaging you know again basically going off of my conversation with this individual is it sounded like there might be a little bit more flexibility for some guys in the organization to do certain things, um, including, you know, bringing in an analytics department. Uh, you know, my understanding is that they brought in two, two people from Tampa Bay. They brought in two people from Washington to build an analytics department. Um, and maybe there'll be a little bit more reliance on, you know, going that route, which is what a lot of, you know, we'll call them mid to small market organizations have right. done in order to find success they've employed these, you know, this staff of um, analytics uh, minded people that are going to come in and, and help them make better decisions when it comes to personnel and, um, and development. And I think that that's a good step in the mm -hmm. right direction. Again, I'm going to, I'm going to hold my breath, but I'm hoping it won't be very long. You know, that one guy that um, has departed that hasn't gotten a lot of fanfare is Mark Wiley the pitching director. He's done a lot of good things when he's been with the Rockies to this point. Um, right. he's, re he's retiring. I think Steve Foster is going to take over that role now and not be the pitching coach anymore. Is, is this a good move, Jason, in your opinion? I mean, is, is Foster being just shoved aside or is he actually no. going to take over that role? Well, my understanding is that Steve wants to spend some more time with his daughter. Who's a senior at Wisconsin. She plays softball. Um, so he wants some more flexibility to kind of watch her last year at Wisconsin. And so this is, you know, initially when I heard that Steve Foster was, was no longer to be the pitching coach, but was being effectively reassigned within the organization, it just sounded like they were shuffling down. Right, exactly. Um, you know, they were going to bring in, um, uh, who's, who's the, who's the bullpen coach is now the pitching coach, um, Daryl Scott, Daryl Scott. Yeah. So they were going to bring him in. And I think there's a lot of people in the organization that like. Daryl Scott, mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't know a whole lot of people that had bad things to say about Steve Foster. I mean, yeah. you know, 
you, you the the types of pitchers that we've had. It's, it's one of those you can't make chicken salad out of chicken. You know what? Um, you know you you've got some talented arms in there, and clearly they've been able to you know utilize some of those arms to the best of their ability. And then you've got other arms that you know are basically just role fillers until we can find somebody to replace them. Um, I don't know how much influence a pitching coach is going to have within the organization unless there's a, a top to bottom philosophy. But um, I, my understanding is a lot of people really like Daryl Scott. I think a lot of people still like Steve Foster, but you can understand his standpoint being a dad yeah. um, and the amount of time that it takes to be a coach at the big league level. This gives him some flexibility to do other things. Well, you know, at this point, um, I, I kind of want to sh- shift gears a little bit, but not too much. Um, uh, Jason, I mean, you, you are, you know, at the cutting edge of all of this, as far as, um, I mean, what we've seen with pitchers and, and the way, particularly with starting pitching, um, it's, it's like the, the, the starting pitcher, um, you know, for me, long live the starting pitcher. I think it's, it's important, yeah. um, to have that role, but at the same time, uh, things have been going in the opposite direction. Uh, where do you see uh, this all going? Are we going to, is the pendulum going to kind of swing back a little bit toward, Hey, we really need to, especially on the development side where it's like, can, I mean, are we even going to have guys who can go seven, eight, nine anymore? <laughs> no. Um, I think the, the days, I, if you do have a guy that goes seven, eight, nine, you're, you're going to be a rarity. Right. And I think you look across major league baseball, you know, guys like that, are few and far between and typically they're hall of fame type type bodies, right? Whether you're a Verlander or Kershaw or, you know, Roy Halliday's of the world. Um, those guys are so few and far between, you know, the, the demands of the starting pitcher in today's game with how hard guys throw, how much data and information is out there. I think you're going to see more guys that are going to be, you know, kind of role players. I mean, if you can go five or six as a starter, I think you're doing, you're probably doing something pretty good because now you've got, you're going to hand it off to your bullpen where you've got a bunch of role players um, that all throw 97 to a hundred miles an hour with ungodly movement or breaking balls that are going to close the game out for you. So, you know, whether you like it or not, that's just the way baseball is right now. You know, will there be a reversal at some point in its history? I I think you, you might see, uh, you might see some, but not in the near future. This is a power game, right? It's power hitting, it's power pitching. It's all about power. Um, so, you know, guys that throw hundred miles an hour just don't have longevity anymore. Um, yeah. the, the, the rigors of the game have, uh, have, have just made it that way. You know, the, you know, I just learned yesterday that, um, uh, who was it? The Brewers went with a six man rotation the entire year. I had no idea that they did that, but I'm like, you know what? That's a brilliant idea because it gives your starting pitcher an extra day of rest. A guy like Corbin Burns, who's going to go out there and throw 98 mile an hour cutters for six or seven innings now gets an extra 24 hours for his body to recuperate. Um, But you have to have enough viable arms to do that. That's my point. How how many pitchers can we have on a 26 man roster? I mean, are are we going to be pretty soon where you're going to have two bench guys? 
So you can have a 16 man or 14 man pitching staff. Listen, this will be my get off my get off my lawn moment. But when I was pitching, if I didn't go and get my team into the seventh inning as a starter, I felt like I didn't do my job. We had yeah, but 10, Mark, you, we had Mark, 10 guys you, on the pit. We had 10, 11, threw 82 mile an hour. Uh, fastballs. No, I, you I wish you in there. I wish you didn't throw 98. I wish I, I wish I had that. I honestly do. I wish <laughs> I could have done that. But it's, then I, diff- I you know, it's a different game. The demands it is, but, of the game are different. It is. But I mean, you. Again, and I know play, position players are more versatile now. They can play multiple positions, but eventually you got to have be able to, you know. I know we're gonna have the DH with so only pinch hitters, but you can't go through an entire season with three or four guys on your bench and expect well, your starters. What I think your, is your is the lineup is the issue, to stand right? up. Here's what I think is the issue: is that, um, and you know, I'm I'm all about you know advanced metrics. I thought the opener was a really intriguing thing, and you know, I I, I you could see the uh, the opener, you know, when it was just kind of a novel term, you could mm-hmm. see that it was going to become a common term mm-hmm. and it was going to become, you know, a part of our lexicon pretty yeah. quick. And it did. And, but at the same time, you know, I think the, the, the problem is, is that we are missing some of the romance in the game. You know? Sure. Mm-hmm. I think that, I think that we, you know, I'm, I'm old enough to remember when guys did go nine, you know, I mean, basically Mark, when you were pitching, I was, I was a kid, 10 year old kid. Have you been baseball. born yet? I had been born, but I, so, you know, but, but point being is that like, there's a certain romance to the game where it was like a guy could, you know, go in there and he would the whole, you know, you know, grid it out, get through, get through seven, eight innings, put his team in a quote unquote position and win all the cliches. Right. But now that's gone away. Same thing with the, um, with the three, 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 two outcomes is it, we, you know, the game, uh, and that's why it was cool seeing the stolen base kind of come back in the postseason, but like, the game has seen, you know, with big, uh, big data is, is, a, is a blessing and a curse in the sense that it's really great because it, it can we can drill down a lot deeper into uh, what we want to see in certain situations. And it helps a lot. And I'm a big fan of leave the game alone. Everything will naturally correct. The imbalances will correct themselves. But even sure. I'm getting I'm getting to the point where it's like, man, um, you know, maybe they're. And one of the things I was on Twitter, John Thorne tweeted something, I think it was in response to something that Petriello tweeted about um, how the game's rules have changed in the past. I mean, there used to be, used to be five balls for a walk, you know? (laughs) Um, So, you know, there comes a time where things have to be kind of changed and we might be getting close to that. Yeah. I think, uh, honestly, I think everything is cyclical, right. And and evolutionary too, right. Like that's where, you know, gone are the days of the 300 hitter long live the 240 guy with 200 punch outs. Right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, will there be, there's gotta be a course correction at some point. Right. And it's going to take, it might take big data to go, you know what, there is value in these guys that hit 300 their on base percentages through the roof and you know that's the hope right i mean that's that's part of that that cyclical (laughs) idea is that it was popular and it worked really well when mark played right and we've kind of gone away from that and it's almost like you know we had to try something new to realize what we lost you know the funny thing this experiment where we're in now you know maybe there's elements to it that we really enjoy but maybe that's what's keeping the fans away and that the, the 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 players realize you know what i need to be a more well-rounded player rather than a, a one-dimensional player and maybe that's at some point somebody will find value in that right maybe like, it's like everything else in life where you know when you you you, you want to try something new and you kind of go too far with it and then sure. you kind of try to start stepping back and saying 
kind of finding the middle ground where it's more, uh, where it's more the, sensible. The funny thing for me, guys, is that Moneyball was predicated on on-base percentage. It wasn't predicated on home runs, right? It wasn't. Yeah, right. It was all about on-base percentage, and that's gone away. That's just but the, the, evaporated. But to Manny's, to Manny's point, right? Money. You, we took Moneyball, and maybe we went too far yeah, with Moneyball. Yeah, agreed. You know what I mean? And we need yep. we need to get back to more kind of sensibility, so to speak. Um, you know where there where analytics plays a role, but it's not the role. You know, Jason, we were, the thing we were right? talking thing... with Dante Bichette about that, and and I was encouraged. Sorry, Mark, I was encouraged uh, yeah. what, with what he said because you know he's he with the, he's with the Jays, and um, I, it seems like internally inside organizations they're starting to move in that direction. Is what he said, and yeah. I, I, that was really encouraging. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I, I remember I, talking with uh, with with BJ. Um, Brian Jordan, who used to be a strength coach with the Rockies. And we were talking about guys who have like unique arm slots and how some organizations are actually starting to target, you know, those guys that throw sidearm or submarine because it's different, right? Uh, The, the Nippon, the, the Nippon league in in Japan was doing the same thing. They, they wanted different, right? We, Mm -hmm. they had a whole bunch of five, eight dudes that threw 87 and 88, but they wanted the six foot eight American who threw sidearm, uh, or, you know, something mm-hmm. just different that they don't yeah. see on a regular basis. And that was, you know, that could be the difference maker. You bring in a sidearm or a subby guy because you don't see it very often. Now he's super effective, right? You look at uh, uh, what, what, what's his name? He's from here, Rogers. Colorado, Rogers. Tyler, Tyler Rogers, yeah. Tyler Rogers, right? Throwing submarine and how effective mm-hmm. last year he yeah. was doing that. How many more teams are going to go out there and find their own Tyler Rogers, yeah. right? We, you know, back in 07, when I played, you had um, um, Javi uh, Lopez. Uh, Lopez Javi, right? Yeah, Javi Lopez. Yeah. He was a lefty specialist, played mm-hmm. through sidearm, right? He yep. did 15 innings a year, one out at a time, Yeah, right? But the, the, that was an effective tool. So, yeah. you know, they said that course correction could come through unique unique well, players and unique circumstances. Well, and here's another thing to keep in mind, Jason, I, I don't joke about fast about your facility your, because what you are is a way to keep people's, I mean, it's foundational arm strength training. It's to keep people healthy. I tell my sure. players, my high school kids, I, I'm not sending you there so you can throw 90. I'm sending you there so you can make it through the whole season without a sore arm. So you right. can really get, and I think that's a little bit, this whole emphasis on throwing hundred miles an hour and blowing it out for a short period of time owners and, and people who pay in these big contracts have to realize guys are going to burn out quick. They're, they're going to be, you're going to use your IL two dozen, three dozen times during the season, because you're, you're asking guys to do things unnatural to begin with, but now you're asking them to do max effort to do that. And right. that's just well, not for health wise. That's, it seems like a bad investment to me. Well, you're, you're also, you're reaching the peak of human performance, right? Yes, are, exactly. are we going to see, are we going to see guys that throw 110 in the future? Mm. You know, May not. I think we, you know, with internal rotation speeds in, in the throwing arm already being the most violent movement in any sport, um, you, you've reached. You're, you're you're compressing that upper one percent into a smaller or into yeah. a smaller and smaller position, and that's where, you know, guys are going to break, and that's yep. where things like strength and conditioning, and studies and research and training and off seasons and things like that have played into trying to keep those arms durable. But at the end of the day, it may not be sustainable yeah. right. for yeah. guys to do that. And guys like you know Verlander, who have been doing it for you know a decade or more, obviously he finally broke. Yep. Right. And and we honestly, I think a lot of injuries, you know, Tommy John's and shoulders and things like that. I think a lot of it, you know, is genetics. 
Because there are some guys that have terrible mechanics that pitch forever with never having an arm problem. And there's guys that have quote unquote perfect mechanics that break. And I think part of, part of it is genetics, but obviously, you know, you have to be a very gifted athlete to be able to do those types of things. I saw a Greg Maddox quote recently on Twitter. Um, I think it was something like um, guys, guys pump up to, to get a little more velocity when they get two strikes. And I don't, I don't understand why they do that. I just try to locate better. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I'm wondering if um, the Sandy Kyle Kofax Hendricks said something very similar to that. Yeah. yeah. I, I wonder if guys like Kyle Hendricks, you know, those Kyle Hendricks of the world, uh, Davies, Zach the, Davies, Davies, the guys that can that that can lo- that that use the lo- the location. They don't throw as hard, but they <clears throat> they they move 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 pitches in and out, move, change speeds and stuff like that. If they are becoming kind of the unicorn now, and if that sure. and if they might be if it developing but, uh, guys like that are more yeah. niche thing now. Sure, and I think you know you you brought up Hendricks because he's a good example. There was a, a an article on I think it was Baseball Prospectus about you know, do I develop velocity or do I develop movement? Right. Mm -hmm. And there's like a law of diminishing returns there. So if you, if you don't possess plus plus movement, you're better off trying to throw it harder. And Hendricks and Davies would be examples of guys that have plus plus movement, right. right? Where they can get away with 88, 89, 90, 91 versus if I threw it straight, um, and I didn't have, you know, plus four inches of horizontal movement over league average. Um, I'm, I'm better off trying to add two or three more miles an hour to my fastball than trying to trick people. Yeah. I wonder if we, as the pendulum comes back, if that's what's going to happen, like we talked about, if, if hitters start to stop sacrificing as much sure. uh, contact for power, if, if those movement guys are going to start becoming in vogue again, what do you think about that? Well, I think, you know, movement is is ultimately the 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 piece that hitters um are struggling with the most right Mm -hmm. that's why we've seen fastball usage continue to diminish um to uh, i don't know what the the numbers were last year but i think we're pretty close if not under 50 percent fastball usage almost league-wide wow um i I know there's a bunch of teams i a couple of years ago i think the yankees and the, the um, the Yankees and the Astros both had under 50% fastball usage while possessing two of the most powerful staffs in baseball. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what does that tell me? It tells me that, you know, hitters have made the adjustment to hitting power and they've hit, okay. they can That's hit the speed. Right. But when you induce movement or ridiculous movement, like we've been able to develop now mm-hmm. through pitch design, through, you know, science and data, things like, you know, Spider things like Trevor Bauer has been able to do. Spider you know, tech. With, well, yes, that helps too. Uh, Depends on the guy. You guys, were, you guys were using similar stuff. Substances. Yes, I was. I was using, I, uh, I didn't pitch a single game. I used pine tar. Every game I ever yeah. pitched used pine tar. Every game. So, but you know what I mean? But that that's where movement trumps velocity. And, yep. and that's why we're, I said, as hitters that make a joke, adjustments to pitching pitchers are going to adjust to hitting you know i think just pitching development is a decade ahead of hitters wow. right mm-hmm. as hitters start to catch up to pitching um the the pitching is just going to adjust to hitting so of- you know will we ever see offense come back like it used to i don't know but pitchers better or hitters better be uh more in tune with ball movement and making adjustments on the fly uh in the future than they are now part of what the rockies have to do jason correct me if you think i'm wrong but um, the guys they draft and try to develop aren't going to be as plentiful as some of the other organizations. They don't have enough bodies. 
they got to keep these guys healthy. And you mentioned Brian Jordan, who was the former strength coach for the Rockies. I, I know you've talked to him a lot about what you got, what, what you can do to keep arms healthy in those maximum situations, maximum effort situations you're talking about. I'll, I'll bring right. back the story back from, from the late eighties when I was teammates with a pitcher named Juan Nieves, who's now a pitching coach. Juan comes to spring training, having thrown a no hitter, first no hitter in Brewers history, um, comes back to spring training the next year, having added about 10 or 12 pounds of muscle on his show, arms and shoulders. He looked like Hercules, but as Tom Treblehorn, our manager pointed out, he said, yeah, the muscle mass got bigger, but the tendons and ligaments didn't get any bigger. And the arm speed has to be just as good. Now I have to move all this extra mass through that same slot in the, in the right. same period of time, something's going to break down. And sure enough, Juan did make it out of spring training that year before he hurt towards yeah. the rotator cuff. How do you combat stuff like that? How do the Rockies focus on keeping guys like Ryan Rollison healthy through all this? Well, I think we used that experimentation back in the mid nineties with steroid era, right? guys got big and bulky um but we found out that big and bulky wasn't sustainable right it was great to see you know uh action figures on the baseball field yeah. and see how far they could hit balls and yeah. how hard they could throw them but you know along with that extra mass came extra injury yeah. and and sometimes catastrophic injury right where you're yep. tearing tendons and ligaments off the bone and, yep. and those are very difficult to recover from and i think the the kind of reversal of that is going back to long and lean, but being more powerful, right? We've seen guys that are able to add the right kind of muscle, right? And, and do more foundation movement um, building where you're strengthening those tendons and ligaments to, to be able to accept an extra five or 10 pounds of muscle. And, you know, with every player, I mean, very, very rarely nowadays outside of maybe Lance Lynn, um, are you going to see a major league baseball player who's just a, a tub of lard, right? A, a big <laughs> out of shape dude. That's right. right. You're, you're right. Reminds you're me of Adam saying you strike out Babe Ruth, no problem. Yeah. Right. There are <laughs> exactly, and, and he could, yeah. but there, there are lots good. of, um, you know, the best players in the league. You look at the Otanis and the Acunas yeah. and um, the Mike Trouts yeah. and they're like, yeah. These guys aren't big and bulbous, but they're long and lanky yeah. and they're strong Wiry and they're power. built for endurance yeah. more than they are yeah. built for just pure power. And so I think that's the correction that we have made instead of getting big through the end of a needle, we've managed to get big through eating properly, right? More, more ball clubs now employ personal chefs. Yeah. Um, they, they're feeding their minor leaguers better. Their strength coaches are more in tune and individualized in their approaches to how players are training and sustaining themselves over the course of the year. And this is all, you know, this has all come through, you know, trial and error and science and data and research that has come out of things like CrossFit and, and the personal training world. Um, and much like a lot of modern player development, you're getting a lot of guys who are not experienced in the game uh, at a professional or even a collegiate level making huge impacts on players in their careers and success at the highest level. Um, so, you know, I've just been thinking about, I've thought about this for a while, actually. Um, it's probably more complicated than we can really break down here. We can't give it a full treatment, but um, do you, how, what is it that, that has taken us from guys throwing 280 innings in a year to guys, you know, if you make 200, you're yeah. a freak pretty much. Um, yeah. I, I imagine some of it is a flip side of what you just talked about, the strength training, the technology, the data, um, and, you know, we're throwing so many different kinds of pitches now compared sure. to back then um, guys, um, you know, like 
it used to be that guys, you know, that's also a part of the reason why we're not seeing starters that that go deep in a game is because they just they don't have the stamina, their arms don't have it in there. And and the, the sure. obviously Tommy John, poor guy, is going to be remembered only for a, a procedure, you know, <laughs> than, than his actual career, pretty good career. So yeah. the the explosion in Tommy John, the 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 reduction in innings pitched, um, if you can just kind of go through that and tell us maybe the key reason yeah why that's all well there's a lot of moving parts in there right and and i think you you touched on that i don't think we could address fully um that conversation in in the time that we have here but um obviously specialization has cut into starting pitchers um uh, where we've got you know set up men we've got closers we've got defined roles in the bullpen um that are more relevant than just a closer right like you know guys like goose yeah. gossage were were closers but they were you know, that was a very defined role. Now you have a defined role as the setup man. The you're the loogie, the lefty only guy. You're the, the setup for the setup. You know, right. That. So you've got some very special, and you've got guys that have become really good at those specialized, you know, positions in the bullpen that are getting paid a lot of money to do that role. And you know, the starting pitcher really only needs to go five or six because now you're paying some dude, you know, ten, twelve, twenty million bucks um, to set up the guy that you're paying 20, 25 million bucks to set up the guy that you pay 30 million bucks yeah. you know, to close games out. Right. So it you've sounds got like special... guys aren't getting stretched out period. Is that right? A... You got, you got specialization and then obviously the demands of the game, right. Velocity, you know, you're just not able to sustain high effort like that for, for 200 plus innings in a, in a year. Right. That, well, right. really before this year, cause there were more scheduled off days this year than I think we had in years past, um, and I think managing of the schedules and making sure guys aren't traveling cross, cross country um, too frequently, you know, those types of things um, all play into lack of starter innings. And I mean, if you, I guess if you, we'd have to go back and pull stats and see, you know, how many more reliever innings that we've seen over the years versus a reduction in the starter innings. Um, Almost 50, 50 now, isn't it? Pretty close. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I'd have to look it up. I have to pull it up on Savant mm -hmm. and see how many reliever innings versus starter innings. But um, I, I, like I said, I think specialization and then just the demands of the game have taken us from 200 inning pitchers to 160 to 180 inning pitchers. Mm -hmm. And and we might even see more of a reduction of that if we, if we start seeing more of a prevalence of the opener um, yeah. and more of these specialized roles where now you've got, you might have guys going two or three innings at a time, you know, and, and Manny, you've, you've, you've tweeted many times about how worthless a win loss record is, you know, mm -hmm. that may not be the ultimate measure of a pitcher anymore. It's going to be more about more of those advanced metrics and their effectiveness, you know, through a lineup one, two, or even three times, that's really going to make, you know, starting pitchers more, uh, more like just long relievers. Don't, okay, yeah. before we're going for it, don't give him any more ammo for his kill the wind nonsense. Okay, that's, that's just, nonsense. That's, that's, that's nonsense. Because, it's never been nonsense. nonsense. It's talking sense. Talking you don't, sense you don't get your, rid your of losses. Don't matter. Mark, it's two to one on this. You one. don't get rid of the most historic stat in baseball. You can devalue it. <laughs> Look, no, you, I'm not trying to get no, rid of it. He won. Uh, Manny wants to get I'm rid of it. Saying the Manny value of a W, it doesn't reflect the quality of a pitcher. Well, I remember when I did a story on this. But you don't get rid of it. 
I, I, I had, uh, we had a series of really great pitchers coming through here. So I talked with Kershaw and Scherzer and I think, um, and Hendricks was another one. Hendricks was the only guy who agreed that win doesn't mean anything. Um, it certainly means something. <laughs> Kershaw, there's so many, there's so many other influences that of course there are. Determine a and that's not a bad thing. It's, that out of your, so, it's so out of your control as a but pitcher. You, just you, know, don't, you need, we, you're trying to build been. down to what you did as a pitcher, yeah. you know, rather than, you know, you're better off. And like Hendricks said, I know, I, I know if, yeah, he's like, I know if I if I walk off the mound, I know whether I quote unquote won or lost that game. Right, it's just like right. quality starts. Uh, like, I'll, get out right, of here well, with that. Uh, whatever. You guys, that's you guys a whole nother podcast. Okay. Right. All right, yeah, <laughs> Hey, before before we let you go, Jason, we only have five minutes left here. But before we let you go, uh, lockout's coming. I'm gonna yes, guess that you might be busier than usual this winter for that reason. Will you you expect to see some guys coming through your facility when they're locked uh, out of? spring training facilities yeah the individual whom i uh, i spoke with with the rockies organization i told them that if they do lock out and uh oh, they will they're yeah. not able to, to train anybody um at coors field this off season um i've i've asked them to to direct players towards me um, i mean obviously a lot of players live down in, in arizona so a lot of those arizona um, facilities are going to benefit yep. um, from having those guys in-house you know we had one big leaguer in-house last year um that came to specifically train with us and so i'm um, if it does well i should say if when it does happen uh i'll anticipate having a few more bodies coming through because there's a few more players that live here in denver now and then we'll uh, you give us a lowdown on how how they're all doing because uh, i think everybody's curious to see what homegrown products could make a difference in this team especially in this bullpen next season because uh i mean obviously they're not going to go out and sign anybody they're not going to go sign a closer um it's going to have to come from yeah, within. I, you know, I, hope- I've always said this, and maybe I don't know if Manny or, or, or even Mark, if you can back this up. I've always thought bullpens are the easiest thing to fix year in, year out, just because there's so there's typically so many available arms. And, and then why can't they? Relief pitchers, <laughs> re- well, it's, 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 it's whether it's, it's a want to versus a, yeah. uh, uh, a need yeah. to type situation, I guess. But, you know, obviously the Rockies are always going to try and find those internal solutions, and, and hopefully there's more Adam Adovino's um in the system than there are whatever they threw out yeah. this year um, but you know what i mean like I, I always feel like you could bring in a piece or two and you don't have to spend big money on relievers to have good you know relievers that are going to have quality years yeah. um here at altitude yeah big money hasn't exactly worked it's not worked at all here. no They've been bad at it <laughs> hey jason we appreciate your time as always Thanks, man. um we'll hook up again i'll see yep. you when i start bringing my pictures there in december and uh, we'll talk we'll have you back on all right. Thanks. Sounds good. Yeah. If Thanks. you guys, uh, if all your listeners want to find more information on us, fastcolorado.com and then uh, on Instagram or fast baseball, um, we've been posting most of our uh, social media content over there. I'm on Twitter too, but I try and stay out of the, that sewage. The, <laughs> the, the place to go. If you want to train your young pitcher properly. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jason. Thanks guys. Appreciate you. There he goes. Jason Hirsch, uh, fast pitching development. I swear by it. It's awesome for my, my players, my high school players. And I, that's where you should send your kid. Manny, we got the closer coming up. You ready? Yes, sir. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars, past and present, look no further than denverautographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall, Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at denverautographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. 
Contact Scott Horman at USA Prime Colorado at gmail.com for more information. We talked a lot about pitching, especially starting pitching uh, in this podcast. And uh, the word romance was uh, was mentioned a couple of times. And I think that one of the problems that we have right now in baseball is that some of the romance or maybe a lot of the romance of the game or the uh, kind of the, you know, what we reminisce for is gone in the sense that we used to see a guy go out there and he'd give you usually give you eight or nine innings. Uh, and obviously that is, has diminished over time uh, for various reasons that Jason discussed in this podcast as well is really good. Um, and some of it is just reality. I mean, things change and that's awesome. And I, I, of all people, I'm a guy that uh, loves uh, numbers, loves advanced metrics, uh, work, I work on stat cast and, uh, research and stuff like that. But, you know, at some point you got to start wondering, um, does the game need to address this in ways that are other than the natural pendulum swinging back. And it was uh, heartening to hear Jason talk about how he thinks that the pendulum probably will swing back. And we've talked to guys before, Dante Bichette, a great hitting coach, talking about how in the game, these discussions are being had now about how uh, the sacrifice for contact, uh, sacrifice of contact for the sake of power, etc., And on the pitching end, the things that are happening over there, um, there are discussions about how we may have taken all of this a little too far. So um, we hope uh, that the pendulum does swing back naturally. But one thing is certain, and John Thorne, the official historian of baseball, said this. If any, if any of you have watched the Ken Burns documentary, I'm sure many of you have on baseball. He said, I worry about any number of things, but baseball is not one of them. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the hope is, is that the, the game continues to withstand the test of time and, uh, and all of the, the, the different things that get thrown at it. And with that, we close out this edition of the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Thanks to our guest, former Rocky Jason Hirsch of Fast Pitching Development. And thank you for listening. Catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.